0: I'm Capriya Johnson, and you are listening to The Leadership Podcast, where we delve into the stories, strategies, and insights of experienced leaders who have successfully navigated the challenges and triumphs of their journey. Get ready to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead with confidence and purpose. Oh, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Leadership Podcast. Today, we have Jennifer Dower joining us. Um, Jennifer, would you please introduce yourself and share any reaction to this month's topic on leading change within higher education organizations?
1: Well, good morning, and thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to be with everyone today um, and very energized about the topic Um, I think it is critical. First of all, I believe that every single one of us is a leader. And um, so I I hope that this will be uh, relevant for as many of the listeners as possible. Um, But given the dynamics that are going on around us, particularly um, as they relate to higher education, um, one's ability to be able to uh, identify what are we trying to do and then effectively lead through that change, Um, is critical for us to be able to get from wherever we are, whatever you're working on, to whatever that future state is. So I think it's a very exciting, um, relevant, and very, very timely topic.
0: Absolutely. Jennifer, can you share a bit about your role here at Ohio State?
1: Yes, I am the Chief Strategy and Transformation Officer at the Wexner Medical Center. Um, So in the context of that role, I have responsibility uh, to work with all of my colleagues to help uh, define and lead um, our strategic plan for the enterprise um, at really the highest level, and that is the health system, the College of Medicine, um, the integrated practice plan, um, and, and lay out a vision of where are we going? What is that North Star? Importantly, how are we going to get there? Why are we focused on moving into that future? Um, And then uh, ensuring that ideally every single person in the organization understands um, what they're doing and how what they're doing fits into that. Um, And then, you know, obviously also working at a more unit level, if there is a department or a division or even a project where um, an organization or an individual is looking to determine where do we go and what is their strategic plan. Um, a lot of my work also focuses upon transformation, right? What do we do and how do we do it? Um, and with whom do we do it, which then lands myself and the team in, um, in, a, um, in the space of partnership, right? As the world evolves and the world changes, um, I think we need to be very, very thoughtful around what are the things that we should do on our own? And I think that's true of Wexner and the university. And where are the opportunities where we might be able to be um, even better right? Even faster, um, even more impactful, most importantly, um, as we think about the future.
0: Fantastic. Thank you for that. What are some common um, thoughts or strategies for successfully leading change initiatives within higher education organizations?
1: So it's a really good question. Um, I will tell you that um, I personally believe that the strategies and the principles um, are consistent between higher education and non-higher education. And that's kind of based upon my my background. I did not grow up in higher education. I didn't grow up in healthcare professionally. Um, I spent the bulk of my first career um, at a very large um, multinational consumer goods company at Procter and Gamble. so um so that's you know where i come from i think that there are obviously nuances and refinements that are relevant for higher education um but i think what's really important to lead change initiatives um first of all you know clarity on where are we going right um if the if the organization or the team doesn't understand where we're going it's i think very difficult to, to be able to be a part of that change effort and so from a leader's perspective i think that that's critical Um, The second thing is what's the compelling case for change, right? What's the burning platform? Why do we need to change? Um, Those are both enrollment um, elements, right? Can I envision the future? Can I enroll people to understand where we're going? Um, Importantly, what's the path to get there, right? There are a lot of ways to get from Cincinnati, Ohio to Cleveland, right? But if I don't know that path, it might take me a lot longer. I might want to take the scenic route. Um, But it's important that, that, um, the leader understands where we're going and and that the the rest of the organization, if you will, is also um, understanding of that. Um, you know, sometimes I use a car analogy, right? If I'm driving the car, I know exactly where we're going and that's easy. If I'm in the way, way back of the car or the way, way back of the bus, sometimes um I don't know. Sometimes it's a little bit disarming and often it feels like it, it, we're wandering and it takes a very long time. And so how do you lay out that path with clarity in the destination? Um, I think the fourth thing that's important is what are people's roles in that journey and how do I as a leader or how does someone as a leader make sure that they understand those target audiences and the stakeholders? Who is going to be involved in this change and how might that change affect them? And it may affect different people, different stakeholder groups in different ways. And so how is one sensitive to that and ultimately celebrating and envisioning the benefits of the outcome? So I think that, you know, both in higher education and in non-higher education at a very macro level, those have been the principles that I have used to guide my efforts along the way.
0: Fantastic. And we all spend times here about data analytics or communication playing a role in Um, Successfully leading change. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I think those
1: are both critical elements of change efforts. I think the data and the data analytics are critical to help to um, often demonstrate the need or the rationale or the basis for the change. Um, And then communications works together with that, along with leadership to provide the narrative, right? So um, it's one thing to under to have data right um, Data then often needs to get translated into insights and those insights need to get translated into actions and those actions are what will guide and drive the the change uh, initiative um, I think the other thing that that um, I have uh, seen over the years be very very critical and I think we hear this a lot um, is the power and the impact of storytelling. Right, really critical to bringing people along in any change effort. Um, And again, getting back to stakeholders, those stories, those narratives may need to be different for um, different individuals or different stakeholders. Um, I, I I have. There's an adage that I've used from time to time, which is, you know, um, this idea of um, your favorite radio station, which is WIIFM, which is "What's in it for me?" Right, and and in order to get. Anyone to change, right? Whether it is in a higher education initiative or it's in a very personal manner. Like, what's the benefit for me, right? What am I gaining? But I think importantly, how can we be empathetic in what am I possibly giving up? Or what am I asking an individual, or forcing an individual, or a part of the organization to give up? And so, I think that your your question around data, data analytics, and communications in the context of this is spot on. Um, it's part of the it's part of the recipe. It's part of the equation.
0: Classic. I, I can imagine that um, within your experience in leading change, that challenges may have come up from time to time are there some common challenges that leaders face when implementing change in higher education? And if so, how can they be overcome? Um, So, you know,
1: where do we get stuck or, or where have I gotten stuck? Um, You know, and been less successful in leading that change and bringing people along. Um, And, and my thoughts here are fairly similar. They're the opposite of the question that you asked at the very beginning, right? What are the principles of being successful or having a successful effort? Um, the, clear, the, the, the why, we get stuck when the why isn't clear or it isn't clear to all, right? Um, that I think I can deliver one message and I've got enough diversity in the audiences and I fail to or one fails to modify that. You know, you want to be as common as possible, but as different as needed. So that's often um, a place that, that I think that we fail um, second is that the individuals aren't compelled by the need to change or the case for change. Right. The leader or the institution thinks that the burning platform is obvious or the burning platform is compelling. And it's not right that people are either too entrenched um, or they aren't convinced. And so they don't come along. Um, I think another um barrier sometimes or challenges that there are simply too many other competing priorities. So an individual leading a change initiative, it's the most important thing that they're focused on, but they fail to recognize where does this fit in the context of other things. Um, And so do we, do I as leaders, have we cleared enough space for the organization to be able to engage and come along um, and I think the last thing is that individuals or groups can't see themselves inside of whatever it is that we're trying to change, right? They don't understand where they fit in. They don't understand the benefit or they have real anxiety and it's meaningful anxiety and, and practical anxiety around how it could impact them, right? And we don't take time, I think, is the other thing, Right. Um, you know we rush these things and depending upon the magnitude of the change, um, they they may take more time than one might think and or you know if you're the leader and you're at the front of the line of something and you've led the 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 visioning and you've you've laid out the plan um you think you've gotten it clear, right but you've probably heard it or created it hundreds of times in your own mind and recognizing that you know, the people that are coming along are newer to this, and so how do you make sure that you've built a process that has that is, if you will, um, moves as quickly as it needs to and as it can, but only at the pace that the organization can move. Um, you know, the the um, I'm a big football fan, and you know the the notion of outrunning your coverage, right? Um, you know, you need to make sure that you've really got things moving along um, in the way that that we can. How do you overcome them? That was the other half of your question. Um, I think you overcome them by thinking about the principles that we talked about in the first answer, right? Being clear, being compelling, having a path that um, people can understand, they can see themselves in, and that is done in a time manner that is appropriate for the organization and the situation, right? Sometimes the organization may not feel that it can move at the pace that you you might want to, but- if there is a compelling, very real reason, then we need to help people understand that real reason. If that real reason is because I want to move at a certain pace, but it isn't credible, then you may end up having a gap.
0: fantastic. And it really reminds me of buy-in, the importance of buy-in. And so I'm wondering, what advice do you have for higher education leaders looking to build and maintain faculty and staff buy-in and support for change initiatives? Especially when there may be resistance to change,
1: you know. I think that that is a um, a very very good question, um, and um, you know, just some thoughts. I think that leaders need to um, leaders need to be authentic, right, um, and really as best as possible connect um, and connect at a, at, a at, at the most human level that they can. Um, in terms of of trying to build credibility and build relationship, right? Change efforts are are not you know they may be things, but they occur because people choose to change, right And human beings are human beings, right And so how do we build those relationships and understand well enough um, who we are dealing with and what they may be going going through. Um, the second and that really ultimately gets to um, you know enrollment, um, I think a second thing that leaders need to do or hopefully can do to get buy-in um, is to listen, listen, and listen, right? We were given two ears and one mouth, and as some people say, use them proportionately, right. Um, I think that the a third thing is to be um, transparent and credible on what this journey is going to look like. what what is the what are you asking people for? And how are you going to use what they're giving you, right? So sometimes people ask for input and we aren't clear on how the input is going to be used. And we don't have the conversation on what's the reasonable expectation. So sometimes people give me impact, input, input or feedback and they expect I'm going to do what they tell me they, that I should do. Sometimes that is true. But sometimes that isn't true, or you can't do that, or you're synthesizing diverse viewpoints. And so I think what's very important is that there's a, a an established kind of contract, if you will, or an established understanding between the leader asking for input and feedback and the individuals giving it. Um, I think another thing that has helped with buy-in and support is to um, talk about shared ownership right? Um, How do you enroll people and make them a part of the process, right? And they understand with clarity and transparency what that's going to be. And I think the last thing, and these aren't necessarily in any order, is um, I have found that I get better buy-in and I get clearer support when the the platform is clear and the degree of urgency or compellingness is also very clear. So just a handful of thoughts around your question regarding buy-in and support.
0: It's really helpful. Thank you. Um, I really, and I really appreciate that caveat of maybe having like a little contract and telling people what I'm actually going to do with this feedback that they provide. Um, the idea of thinking of feedback as I, I also have to take multiple, you know, pieces of feedback from different people and synthesize this. So it may not be your exact recommendation, but I think providing that additional layer of clarity is really helpful in the process for the people who are giving their time to provide feedback. I mean, I know there's been many times when I've been asked for feedback and I'm like, I wonder what happened to that feedback. I've, I've never heard anything else about it or um, I've never seen like a report about it. And right, so it's I think two uh, just quick builds upon what you've just said. Um, and I
1: think this is true, whether it's a change management effort or it's even a um, a work performance effort, right? Um, I think we do bet- best when expectations are clear, right? And so how do you set those expectations and dialogue around them up front if needed? This is what's going to happen. I think the last thing is to continue to have um, transparency and understanding of what is the process and what's going on and where are we. And I was just having a conversation, literally, the meeting right before I jumped on to do the podcast with you on this very issue, right? We've got some macro efforts that are going on. We're going to ask people for their input up front. We want to continue to engage with them, but what else should we be doing along the way um, so that, you know, it doesn't feel like I gave you, you gave me your feedback, and I'm going to
0: pop out of the cake nine months later, right? So I think that that's a part of it. Absolutely. And that that really helps me lead into my next question. Uh, I'm really curious about, you know, really great examples or case studies of change management in higher education that you find particularly inspiring or instructive for other leaders in the field
1: case studies or examples from higher education you know probably the one that pops to mind for me um and this is more i've observed it than i would necessarily say i've i've led it um but when I look at what, what has gone on or what is going on around um, the shift in online, how is education delivered, right? So traditional four-year or graduate kind of education, terminal degrees, someone comes onto a campus, they are here with us for a period of time, and this is how higher education has happened. You know, if you look at the dynamic shifts of the development and explosion around online education, right? Right and or how do degrees get granted right how does knowledge get developed of certificates or stacking degrees those to me are two pretty um, pretty wide, pretty significant examples of change initiatives where you know if i think about it from the student's perspective how do i consider that right from an employer's perspective well, what does that mean But importantly, from the institution of higher education, what does that mean? I have been in, I have done higher education and delivered it in a certain manner, but the world is shifting. And so what does that mean across all of those vectors? Ultimately, the university still needs to be able to provide and demonstrate a compelling value proposition, right? And what did that used to be, you know, when I went to university many years ago, but what does that look like today for a student, um, for the... Whoever is funding that education, and importantly, for an employer, I think the other thing that's interesting that's going on right now, as the um, as the workforce challenges are uh, emerge and the world changes and new capabilities are required, how do um, companies think about acquiring those talents and those skills? How do universities work together with the outside world to think about, you know, if you will. Uh, um, higher education initiatives for the future, right? Um, So that the graduates of those institutions are, if you will, maximally job ready um, and able to be um, as fully qualified. And I think the world of the future is different than the world of the past. And what does that look like? So those are just some things that that, um, when I think about higher education change initiatives, Um, that that do come to mind. Obviously, there's a whole nother part of this and there are probably many other parts that OAA is dealing with, right? What makes for a compelling um, environment of higher education from a faculty perspective, right? Um, You know, what has been the relationship and expectation of a faculty member? Um, And, you know, is that proposition the same today as it was in the past? What will it need to be in the future? Um, So, you know, um, some things from where I sit and the experiences that I would have that uh, strike me as meaningful, significant change initiatives. Um, and I think many of those, um, as I observe what uh, Provost Gilliam and others in OAA are doing, um, you know, it appears to me that that people are thinking long and hard about these issues, and we're going to need to continue to do so. Um, to ensure that we can continue to be um, and accelerate um, our position as um, as the most exceptional institution of higher higher education and learning.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. And then as we conclude, can you share maybe one to two helpful tips or strategies that our listeners might be able to use within their teams? Yeah. Um, so, um as I think about this, there are
1: probably three to five. So I'll give you those. So you could decide, the audience can decide which of the one or two they find most compelling. Um, I think the first thing is you need to know your audience, right? Good and challenging, right? Not everybody will be excited about what it is you want to change. Um, but, you know, only surrounding yourself with the people that agree with you will probably suboptimize your ability to be successful. So that's one. Two, um, I think you need to be clear and concise on where are you, we going and why are we going there? Um, and uh, before you begin to start to run, understand how compelling are you? How clear are you? Um, the third thing is to provide an inspiring and realistic vision for the path to get to the destination, right? Is this a 10 year journey? Is this a 12 month journey? What is it and why Why is that? So that you know, sometimes people can be very, very visionary but they are unable to execute. And so I think that balancing those two aspects is critical. Um, Make sure that people are clear on their role or roles in the journey, right? Um, And that they are energized by it um, and that they can see their roles in it. Um, And I think the last thing is to make sure that that the benefits of the outcome are well-defined and that they can be marked and measured along the way. Um, and so those are the kind of the five things as I think about um, the questions that you've asked, um, the, um, I don't know that I would necessarily say that the keys to success, but certainly the strategies that for me have, you know, enabled more successful outcomes than less successful outcomes um, over my, you know, almost nearly 40 years of, of trying to do this um, in different industries um, in my career.
0: Jennifer, thank you so much for all of these wonderful nuggets of information. I found that for me, it's been very helpful. And I know that audience will very uh, much appreciate all of these tips. I hope you have a great day. And thank you again for joining us. Thank you for the opportunity for being
1: with you today. I appreciate the time.
0: The Leadership Podcast is produced by The Ohio State University's Office of Faculty Affairs. For more information, visit us at faculty. Dot I'm your host, Capriya Johnson. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.